Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. Stay tuned for today's message. Enjoy, and God bless. Well, today I'm going to be continuing the series, The Other Half, Empowering Women for Change, with a message entitled, Apostle Paul, Promoter of Change. And more specifically, I want to talk about the fact that Paul was a promoter of change for women for ministry. Now, I know that we've come from various backgrounds. We have various traditional things that we were exposed to. Uh, I was raised in a denomination where um, women did not step in the pulpit. They sat on the side with hats on. And we called them mothers. But all they did was kind of sit there. And so I want you to understand my background. And it's very important that you understand my heart as pastor of this church concerning women in ministry. And why it's important that we have a perspective that I believe is based on biblical truths that may challenge your foundational thinking and your foundational teaching. Paul was a key leader in the early church. And he was used by God to identify to release and to promote the women around him for kingdom work. He did not hold them back. He did not restrict them. He identified who they were. He released them into their calling. And he was one who promoted change as far as what a woman could do. Now, I know that flies in the understanding of most of you, so just hopefully I've got your attention and you'll stay connected with me throughout this message because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna explore some very interesting things today. But Paul understood as well as any church leader of his day the need for what we refer to as an all-hands-on-deck mentality when it comes to advancing the kingdom of God. Paul understood the need for all to carry out their purpose that God had given them when it came to growing the newly established church that Jesus was building. When Paul encountered Jesus on the road as Saul on the road to Damascus, and Jesus uttered to him these famous words, it is hard to kick against the goads. The apostle understood perfectly well what our Lord was saying. He knew that Jesus was telling him, what I have set out to do will come to pass and no one is going to stop it. Not even a brash, ruthless man named Saul, who at one time was determined to stop what was known in his day as the way which we today call the church. 
So how does that relate to women in ministry? Paul knew it was not his place to stop what Jesus was doing, but he was called to join Jesus in it. He also knew that if Jesus invited women into his inner circle of learning and ministry, it stands to reason that Paul would do also. We find evidence of that in Paul's writings. He wrote in Romans 16.1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant in the church. The NLT says that Phoebe was a deacon in the church. And we all understand that deacons or deaconess have a place of distinction and leadership, even in the traditional setting. In Romans 16, 3, Paul writes, Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ. My co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. Here, Paul describes a high level of authoritative. Will you say that with me? Authoritative. Say it again. Authoritative. Because we're going to explore that word also. Paul describes a high level of authoritative leadership in the church to Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla was recognized by the Apostle Paul as a co-worker. And one of the responsibilities of the co-workers of Paul was to preach and teach. Priscilla was part of a husband-wife teaching team that many scholars recognized as co-pastors of the church that they were over. Priscilla and Aquila are also mentioned in 1 Corinthians 16, 19 as a couple who had a church in their home. And they kind of accompanied Paul when, when Paul went to Ephesus from Corinth. And it's amazing that the two churches we're going to focus on today and the two scriptures we're going to focus on today that causes the most debate concerning women in ministry were addressed to the church at Corinth and the church at Ephesus. But this husband-wife team They traveled with Paul from Ephesus to, from, to, to Ephesus from Corinth. And wherever they went, they turned their home into a meeting place for Christians or their home became a church. Listen to Philippians 4, 2 and 3. Paul said, now I appeal to Uodiah and Syntyche, please, listen to what he says, because you belong to the Lord, sell your disagreement. And most people, when they think about these two ladies, they, they focus on, the, on this particular thing that they have with the disagreement. But listen to what Paul said. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. In Romans 16, 7, Paul said, Greet 
Andronicus and Junior, my countrymen and, and, and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. And many take the term of note to mean that they were apostles. The most likely description of Andronicus and Junior and the most common early church exegesis is that this was a husband-wife apostolic team, much like Priscilla and Aquila were the husband-wife pastoral team. The Apostle Paul, who was blinded by the Lord, knocked off his donkey as he sought to stop the advent of the church is not one who would, who would have stood in the way of what Jesus was doing, but he was one who would have fervently promoted what Jesus is doing. Yet many base their belief that a woman's role in the church is to be limited to two passages of Scripture written by Paul. Two passages. Those scriptures are 1 Corinthians 14.34 and 1 Timothy 2.12. Why would Paul contradict himself? Why would Paul acclaim and promote the work and importance of women in ministry in some passages and in two passages restrict them? I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> because that's what we're going to focus on today. So I want us to read those two passages of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 14. And we're going to read verses 34 and 35. And I can tell you on the surface, it sounds really bad for you ladies. <laughs> Paul says... Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, everyone say learn. If they want to learn something, let them ask their own husband at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. In 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12. Let a woman learn. Everyone say learn. Very important that you key on that word. Let a woman learn in silence without submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. That sounds really bad for you girls. So what did the apostle mean in these two passages? The first thing to recognize is this. If Paul, in these two passages, was teaching a literal truth that was prompted by God, that was to apply to all women throughout the church age, we have a problem with Paul. We have a problem with the apostle. Because in other passages, he promoted women. 
If those two scriptures are to be applied to the church throughout all times, either Paul forgot what he had written in other places or to other churches, or he changed his mind somewhere along the way. So let's take a look at what is written here more closely. The first thing to note is this. 1 Corinthians 14, 34, and 35, and 1 Timothy 2, 11, and 12 have only one thing in common. One thing. And I, and I challenge you to go and, and, and research the scripture and, and, and have one thing in common. And that one thing is this. Paul's instructions on how the women in the church in Corinth and Ephesus were to learn. Were to learn. He's instructing women in these two churches how to learn. It's very important that you, you get that. Both passages encourages the learning of women in the scripture. Say, why is that important, Pastor? That's important because that is a major position taken by Paul. And it carries significant weight that we cannot relate to. This you gotta understand, we tend to we, we, we understand based on our culture. And the big mistake that a lot of people make is they take something that was written for a particular culture and they try to apply it to every culture and that does not work. It's very important that you understand that. Paul was speaking to a culture. Speaking to a culture that was established in Ephesus and Corinth that had came into the church in those two regions. In those verses, please hear me. He was not restricting a woman's place in ministry. He was instructing the women in those two churches how to best learn in preparation for ministry. In those verses, Paul was not restricting a woman's place in ministry. He was instructing them on how to best learn. That's why in both, the only thing those two scriptures have in common is Paul is instructing the women how to learn. How to learn. He was promoting a woman's right. Listen to this. Paul was promoting a woman's right to learn biblical truths and religious practices, something that women of his day had been forbidden to do. See, we're different. That in and of itself should give us pause when it comes to interpreting these verses to mean Paul forbade women leading and teaching in the church. To apply that interpretation to these verses contradicts what he taught and did in other scriptures. Therefore, I submit to you, the Apostle Paul was in speaking absolutes to be applied to the church at large. But he was addressing, please hear me, two 
very distinct, troubling situations that was happening in two local churches, the church at Corinth and the church at Ephesus. In the Corinthian culture, women was not allowed to confront men in public. Think about the Middle East even today where this originated. How do women behave in public? Think about how they, are, how they must behave. Jesus brought a newfound freedom to the church where there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, and may I add black nor white. But we're all one in Christ Jesus. He brought that liberty to the church. Women was not allowed to confront men in public. But there were some women in the church at Corinth who felt the new liberty they had found in Christ gave them the right to question and even confront their husband in a public setting which went against culture. Remember, the women of Paul's day did not receive formal religious training as did the men. And what was happening in the churches, they was raising questions in the worship service that Paul was saying, hey, wait, listen, wait till you get home and, and learn from your husband, learn with your husband at home, stop disrupting the service. That's what Paul was dealing with. If you matter of fact, if you look at that letter to Corinth, Paul was addressing a lot of issues in the church that he was bringing correction to. But one of the corrections was not to teach that women cannot teach or lead in the church. It was to bring order in a local assembly. Paul was addressing a cultural issue, not a doctrinal issue. Very important that you get that. He was addressing a cultural issue, not a doctrinal issue. An issue that was unique to that church. And it was never intended to be used as a standard for the church at large. The purpose of Paul's words were to promote unity and instruct women on how to best learn in that culture. What he wrote was never intended to be used to teach about a woman's role in the church. It was never intended to become doctrine as some has made it to be. Please understand something about doctrine. If God wanted it to be doctrine, he would have established it through two or three witnesses in the word of God. If God wanted it to be doctrine, he would have established it through two or at least two or three witnesses in his word. And again, as I began to study these two verses, these two passages of scripture, I realized they're not saying the same thing. People have, have used the, the word silent and equated that to teaching. And Paul was not addressing teaching in the Corinthian church. He was telling women, listen, listen, this is how you have to learn. But in the Ephesians church, Paul did talk about teaching, and I'm explaining to you why he dealt with teaching in that particular church, but they're two totally different things that Paul was trying to get across. 
Paul himself wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 13.1. He said, this is the third time I'm coming to you. And as the scriptures say, the facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And he was, he was referenced in Deuteronomy 19.15, which was also quoted by Jesus in Matthew 18.16, that it says, everything must be established by two or three witnesses. That's why one person could not convict Jesus. It took many witnesses. It took more than one witness. What Paul did, or what Paul said in 1 Corinthians, has to do with how a woman was to learn in that church. Whereas 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12 specifically addresses a woman teaching in the church at Ephesus. So to join those two scriptures together as witnesses of the same truth, and I know this is going to sound hard, but you got to love me anyway. To join those two scriptures together as witnesses of the same truth is simply erroneous and somewhat reckless when it comes to biblical interpretation. In each of these examples, 1 Corinthians 14.34 and 1 Timothy 2.12, Paul is addressing a problem in that local church. He was speaking to a particular culture of his day. And it was never intended to be applied to all churches throughout all ages. Paul was a promoter of change for women in ministry. And he never intended for those passages to become doctrine that would be used to hold women back. That is why, please hear me, he used the word I instead of God. He used the word I instead of God. This was Paul writing to diffuse problems in these churches, problems that resulted from the culture of those regions. It is clear to me that Paul did not mean in 1 Corinthians 14, 34, that women were not allowed to speak in church. That would contradict what he wrote in 1 Corinthians eleven five, where he gave instructions about public worship. In those instructions, Paul tells the woman how she is to pray and how she is to prophesy in the church. And as Pastor Angela said last Sunday, how can you pray or how can you prophesy if you can't speak? If you can't talk? How can you do it? <laughs> in chapters 12 through 14 of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes that women as well as men, and he starts out by saying, listen to me, brothers and sisters. And he began to lay out for them instructions on behavior in the church. And in those instructions... Paul writes that women as well as men are given spiritual gifts. He talks about spiritual gifts. And he encouraged those gifts to be exercised in the church in proper order. So Paul was not saying, women, you can't speak. He was saying, ladies of that church of that time, this is how you are to learn. And his reference to the law in 1 Corinthians 14, 34 was to point out 
that a wife is to remain submitted to her husband even in her newfound Christian liberty. What about 1 Timothy 2? Very interesting, interesting passage of Scripture. He said in 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 12, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. Again, the only thing that these two scriptures have in common is that women ought to learn. So Paul was a promoter of women learning. He was a promoter of that change because women of that day were not allowed to learn biblical truths. That's why when Mary said it at the foot of Jesus, it was a big deal. And she said at his feet. She got as close to him as, he, as she could. And again, I'm sure Paul knew that. And I'm sure Paul, if he ever thought about holding a woman back, probably remember what Jesus said. Paul, a Saul, is hard to kick against the pricks. It's hard to kick against the ghosts. It's hard to stop what I'm doing. I'm sure that would have come back to Paul's remembrance. Had he tried to stop something that Jesus himself allowed. He said, let a woman learn in silence with all submission and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but be in silence. Whew. Now, the words in silence express an attitude of quietness and composure, and is different from the Greek word that is used to convey complete silence. Again, what Paul is trying to do is establish within that culture, in that church, an atmosphere or a method for women to, to learn, to be taught, because they had not been given that opportunity. They had been denied that, that opportunity. So he was presenting that to them. His statement, let a woman learn in silence, shows his support for women learning. He was promoting their learning, and he gave instructions on how to learn so that they could properly be prepared for ministry work. When Paul said that women should learn in silence, he was offering the women of his day an amazing opportunity to be in the company of a male teacher or of male teachers as Mary was with Jesus to be educated in the Scriptures. And some scholars believe that Paul didn't want the Ephesians women to teach because they did not yet have the knowledge or experience to do so. The Ephesian church also had a problem with false teachers and, and many of, who many of them had, listen, had come out of the worship of the goddess Diana. They'd come out of worshiping this goddess. And, 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 it is even taught by some that one of the things that Paul was dealing with was the reality that prior to them coming into the church, they had been exposed to even the mutilation of men. You got to understand the context in which he's talking. And he's saying, listen, you can't bring that stuff into the church. He was not saying you cannot teach. You can't bring that stuff into the church, into the local, the local assembly. Paul's concern was that women in this church were especially susceptible, susceptible to these false teachings. 
They were susceptible to these false teachings. They come out of this, and you got to remember, this is no different than some of the issues that was dealt with with, with, with those Jews who came out of Judaism and them bringing the, the, the law and making that part of their relationship with God that, that, that the Bible addresses. This is the same thing. They brought the, these people were not people who practiced Judaism. They practiced another religion, and there was some crazy stuff going on, and now they get saved. Let me, okay, let me put it this way. Think about you before you met Jesus. Think about how messed up you was, okay? And when you got saved, how many of you got, it, got everything you needed right instantly and you, you had it all figured out? None of us did. This is what Paul was dealing with. They was bringing that into the church, into that particular body. Yet we have, the church has taken these passages to tell a woman today and educated or even uneducated and anointed, called, set aside woman of God that you cannot teach or you cannot preach or you cannot have authority in the church. Error. Error. How many of you know that the founder of our movement Foursquare was a woman. How many of you know that? Yeah. Founded by a woman. A woman who did amazing things for God. I got to finish. Listen. Paul's concern was that women in this, in this particular church were especially susceptible to these false teachings, not knowing how to discern the truth. But please hear me. Paul was not teaching doctrine. He was giving instructions. He also talked in verse 9 about some of the women who apparently was flaunting their newfound Christian freedom by wearing inappropriate clothing. So he was dealing with that issue, that he was dealing with that culture. He was telling Timothy to, to Timothy, do not put anyone in position of leadership who was not mature, is not mature in the faith. And in this case, he was addressing women, but the same principles applied to men in the church. New believers were to become secure and strong in their faith before taking on a leadership role in the church. They were not to be a novice. Now, I gotta finish. First Timothy 2:12 is the only scripture I can find, and I looked really hard. And if you, some of you guys can find another scripture, please find it and let me know, okay? It's the only scripture I can find where it says the woman should not teach or have authority in the church. And that's the problem when it comes to establishing sound doctrine because doctrine must be established by what? By what? Two or three witnesses. Also, if Paul's instruction to the entire church were that women should not teach in the church, he would not have set in place female leaders to serve as deacons, pastors, and even apostles. And that brings us to the 
final sticky point we find in 1 Timothy 2.12, which to me is the most interesting point. And that is women have an authority in the church. Women have an authority in the church. What did Paul mean? He said, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over man. We have some amazing translations of the Bible. Most of the time, I use an NLT or a New King James Version. There's lots of good versions out there. When I got saved, everybody used the King James Version. That dates me, doesn't it? <laughs> that is what it is. But let me tell you something. Please hear me. Of all the translations out there, and I looked at them all, not all of them. I looked at several of them. And look, I have Bible on my, my phone, and it has different translations. I looked at several of them, okay? Of all the translations of the Bible, guess what? Old King James got this particular scripture correct. As far as what Paul meant concerning a woman having authority in the church. King James got it correct. Listen to what King James said. Look, he's put it up there. Let's, let's see this together. Come on. Where is it at? But I suffer a woman. But I suffer a woman. Where he says, but I suffer a woman. Oh, maybe you guys don't have that. I'm sorry. Oh, there it is. Listen to what it says. But I suffer a woman not to teach, nor to what? Usurp. What? Usurp. Usurp authority over a man, but to be in silence. Put, put up the meaning of usurp. Usurp. It means to take a position of power or importance illegally or by force. It means to take the place of someone in a position of power illegally. This is not my definition of usurp. This Webster definition. It means to seize and hold a position, an office, or power, etc., by force or without legal right. King James got it right. Listen, to further illustrate that King James got it right and that the use of the word authority without usurp before it is misleading. It's misleading. I want you to, I want you to look at the word that was used here for authority. That word is Authentio. It means to act of oneself, to dominate, 
or to usurp authority over. It means to be an absolute master, to dominate. It also means, listen, it also means one who with his, with his own hands kills another or himself. Now, let me tell you something else that's very interesting about this word. And again, go do your own research. I've done mine. Listen, the word authenteo, which has been translated erroneously in my mind by other translations, authority, is used only one time in the New Testament. Yes, yes. that's right. This word is not used nowhere else except in this one Passage of scripture. Why did Paul use this one word and the only one in the New Testament who used this one word, he used it because he was addressing a particular issue in that local church. He was not establishing doctrine. He was saying, hey, some of you ladies, you've come into the church and you have illegally taken authority over men. You have taken positions of power that God didn't give you. That is wrong. It's only used one time in all of the New Testament and that's right here in this one verse, 1 Timothy 2.12. Nowhere else is this word used. It is a very unique word that was very carefully chosen by Paul to address a unique situation. It was never meant to be used to establish doctrine. Never. One word used one time in all of the New Testament is being used by many in the church to tell you you can't have authority in the church. The use of the word one time does not establish doctrine. The word that is most often translated authority in the New Testament is the Greek word exosia. Put that word up. Exosia. It means delegated authority. It means liberty. It means power. It means right. It means strength. This is the word. Please hear me. This is the word Jesus used when he said, I give you power. I give you authority. I give you exosia over all the power of the enemy. It is the word that Jesus used when he said, 
all power, all authority, all exousia has been given to me. As a believer, male or female, you have been given power by the Lord Jesus Christ to advance the kingdom of God. I hope this helps you to understand how we must be careful and why we must take time to make sure we understand and why Paul never intended to hold a woman back, but he promoted women for change. He was a promoter of change for women in ministry. He encouraged them. He made them his co-workers. He set them in positions of offices. And guess what? They had the authority of that office. Because authority comes from God. He's given each of us exousia in whatever he's called us to do. God's delegated authority. One word. One word used one time in all of the New Testament has caused so much confusion in the body of Christ. So much confusion. And what Paul was saying is right. But please hear me. That doesn't just apply to women. That applies to men as well. No one is to illegally or forcefully gain control or authority over anybody. None of us. We've got to learn how to walk in the authority that God gives us and not force our way or force ourselves upon anybody because we want a certain thing. Amen? So stand to your feet this morning. And I want, I want us to take a moment you know, this is one of those messages where I just say, oh, God, you know, I don't know where people are. I don't know who knows what, who believes what. I don't even know who's going to agree with me this morning. So I want you to search your heart. And I want you to think about where you are on this particular issue. And I want us to pray. I want us to pray for greater clarity. I want us to pray for the removal of confusion. And I want us to pray that we would have proper understanding and apply the proper context to God's word. Can we do that? Pray for clarity. Pray against confusion. And pray that we will be able to 
properly apply God's word that is contextualized correctly and that we understand what God would have us know. And I want some of you here to just put yourself before the Lord and say, God, you know, I, maybe you, you know, you're still struggling with this. It's still not clear to you. Ask God to show you. Amen. Just ask the Lord to show you. I don't, don't want to make you think that I'm an expert at all. I'm not. I have the same background that many of you have. But as I studied and tried to understand, I could clearly see that Paul was dealing with cultural issues in two local churches and he was not trying to establish a doctrine that has been used throughout the ages to hold women back. And that's a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in to the Restoration Foursquare Church audio podcast. We hope you were encouraged and empowered by today's message. If you would like to learn more about our church, visit our website at r4sq.org. If you would like to send us a prayer request for prayer, please email us at amen at r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.